So I know what you're thinking. You're expecting me to talk about March Madness. Uh, but that's not going to happen because the Davidson Wildcats lost by one point, 74 to 73 on Friday night. And now March Madness is dead to me. And I hope whatever team you're rooting for loses too. <laughs> we're, uh, we're continuing our series in Revelation, Dear Church. And today we're going to get to meet the church in Ephesus. And we might see uh, that this church uh, has a lot maybe in common with our church, and maybe all of them do to some extent. And what's, what's tough is that, that Jesus has some, some harsh words for uh, the churches. He has some good positive words, but also uh, harsh words. In fact, in fact, Jesus uses the technique today of the poop sandwich. You may have heard this. Uh, if you are in management or leadership, the way that you're supposed to uh, let people down easy, critique them in a way that's positive, you, you say something great about them. Like, Doug, you are amazing at everything you do, and you're beautiful on top of it. And then you're like, but I was just, I was just wondering if maybe we could shift some of these things and maybe do a little bit of that. And, and, and then Doug begins to cry because he's an emotional man. And I say, wait, wait, Doug, stop, stop. But after all those negative things, I had to say, gosh, I just want to look into your eyes and hug you. Because you are so wonderful. That's the poop sandwich technique, and you're going to see it. Uh, Jesus is going to use it. So let's take a look at uh, Revelation 2 uh, together. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the golden, seven golden lampstands. I know your works, Ephesians, your toil and your patient endurance. I know that you can't tolerate evildoers. You've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. You've found them to be false. I also know that you're enduring patiently and bearing up for the sake of my name, and you're not growing weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then from what heights you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But what? wait, wait, this is to your credit. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let anyone who has an ear hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To everyone who conquers, I will give permission to eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. We talked last week about the fact that Revelation and apocalyptic literature in general is a little bit odd. There's some weird imagery and whatnot. And so let's, let's dispense with that really quick because it starts kind of weird, right? Uh, it seems like Jesus is talking to the church, but it says that this is to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Um, and it's, it's odd. We're not sure what to make of this exactly. It might be that uh, God has like little has angels in geographic locations around uh, to gather in to sort of represent churches. And yet, when Jesus speaks to the angel, uh, he's talking to the people, right? I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance. And so it's hard to say whether the angel is influencing the people, the people influencing the angel. But however it works, uh, there's some synergy. And when uh, Jesus says the seven stars in his right hand, he's talking to the seven angels of the seven churches. The lampstands are the churches themselves. And so Jesus walks among the churches, um, but, he, but he holds his messengers, his aides, the angels in his hand. The church in Ephesus is, uh, we, we actually have, you can see it 
uh, the, you can see the remains of the church. I actually got to walk through this uh, about 15, 20 years ago. This is, uh, this is the baptismal um, that was made in the church when the church was, was strong and ascendant in Ephesus in Turkey. Uh, this is probably not the place where John actually did baptizing, but maybe it is. We don't know. We, don't, we do know that it's very least old, uh, as old as the second century AD. It might even be older. Um, and so this is, you can see there was a large pool. And so when they did uh, their dunkings, it was like, it was massive. Um, but did you notice that Jesus said, I might remove your lampstand. I might place it somewhere else. Well, that happened. If you go to Ephesus, the church is not really there anymore. The church is, I mean, Turkey as a whole is a predominantly Muslim country. There's very little in the way of Christian uh, fidelity in Turkey. And so it might be that one of the things that's being said here is that that it didn't happen, that they they didn't repent, they didn't turn back. Or maybe they did for a while, but then by the time of about the 3rd or 4th century, uh, that was starting to fade. And certainly by the time uh, that the Muslims, um, that Islam took over the area, uh, the the churches there got kind of wiped out. Which is to say that this is serious stuff. Because the same things that can happen to Ephesus can happen to us. So let's, 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 let's see the good stuff. What, what good thing uh, are the people in Ephesus doing? Hey, you, first, you're, you're, you work hard, you endure, you're patient, um, you don't tolerate evildoers. And by that, uh, John, Jesus means you, you don't tolerate liars. There's people who come around in the world and say, this is how things are, this is how God is, this is how uh, Jesus is, this is how the, the world is. And the people in Ephesus are on the lookout and they don't tolerate that. When that comes around, they're like, no, that is not the teaching of the true apostles. Apostles being the people who either knew Jesus or carried his message faithfully. And, and, and so we know what John says, we know what the apostles say, you're not saying that, get out of here. And you're not growing weary, you're staying with it, you're solid on this. I saw the Batman on Friday. Yeah, the vampire guy. He won't go away. Yeah, Robert Pattinson, he plays Batman. Emo Batman. He's like the, he's like the saddest of Batmans. Um, if you're thinking about seeing this movie, don't. Uh, it, it not, first, it's like three hours long. And the first two hours are super boring. The middle three hours are like kind of interesting. There's like one or two action scenes. But the last seven hours, they take forever. Don't, you're just, there's like 18 endings. It's like, please stop. Like, how do you take, like the, the people who made this movie were like, the problem with superhero movies is they're too fun. And so they, they took the fun right out of it. Um, I actually uh, had a great time though because I tried out the new, have you done this? The 4DX? Have you heard about this? Oh, yeah. So now they make your movie theater like star tours. So like you sit in the chair and, and like when, when, uh, when Batman's on the motorcycle and it goes like this, it, the seats move with it. Oh, yeah. And not only that, when they're fighting, like air blows past your ears. And then when it rains, which it rains in every scene because apparently Gotham doesn't have a sun, uh, every time it rains, like water sprinkles onto your head. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you're already paying like 20 bucks. You might as well pay the, pay the extra 250 to be, you know, physically entertained. I bring this up because uh, one of the themes of this movie, the Batman, um, the Riddler, uh, and I won't make any spoilers here in case you want to torture yourself. Um, one of the themes is that uh, from top to bottom, 
Everything is corrupt and everyone is lying. Anyone who's in power is a liar and a cheat. This is the politicians. It's also the police. It's, um, it's, uh, it's the criminal. The criminals are actually, in some cases, more honest than, than the cops and, and the politicians. And, and this vision of the world is one where everyone is constantly questioning what's real and what's true. Nobody trusts anybody. And Batman in this movie is like the one guy who's going to find the truth. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting because no matter who he talks to, he's not sure he can trust them. And he's constantly like, oh, I don't know about that, I don't know about this. And, and you can see that, that it's taking a toll on him emotionally, psychologically, as well as physically, to constantly be on edge, not knowing what's real and what's not. And as we'll see in, in a moment when we talk about the Nicolaitans, that's what happened at the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus was surrounded on all sides by liars. And so they had to do the hard work, the constant work of discerning between right and wrong, real and false, uh, who the true Lord is, and, and whether or not that has anything to do with the emperor. And it was exhausting. It was brutal. And so the first thing Jesus says, he's like, you know what? Good job. There's a lot of people out there who just, they, they, don't, they don't have the endurance, the energy to hold fast to the truth. But you do. And I, I hope that, that something similar can be said of our congregation. That we're people here who are committed to discerning and rooting out the truth. Staying with scripture and, and using that to discern what's going on outside of these walls and what's going on inside of these walls. Because if we, if we let our guard down for even just a second, man, the wolves are going to come in. And so that's the first thing in your note sheets. A praise. You do not tolerate lies. But man, it can at a cost. I have this against you, Jesus says. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Uh, in the older translations will say, uh, you've forsaken your first love. And it sounds to our ears in English as though the problem is they've stopped loving God or Jesus. That is not the case. They, I mean, Jesus is like, hey, you've stuck to the truth 100%. You're still with me. No, the love that they've lost is different. It's, it's the love that they have for each other. They've been on guard so long, they've been suspicious so long, they've been testing so much that they've forgotten each other. Uh, in my role, I have an opportunity to talk to um, police officers, LEO, quite a bit. And I have his friends, and even five years ago, before um, the tumultuous past two years, I was talking to him, and he, um, he works a lot with uh, narcotics. And he, he, he said to me, um, the last thing I want is for my kid to become a cop. I can't wait to retire. I was like, dude, what? I mean, what's the, why? He said to me, when I started 20 years ago, when I would walk my beat, the people, they, the normal people, the, the shop owners and, and, and the citizens, they, they would greet me. They would say hi to me. They would welcome me. They would thank me for, for, for you know, standing up. But in the last few years, that's changed. 
I, I, I go and I, and, I, and I keep doing my job and I keep trying to get the bad guys, but now even the good guys don't like me anymore. They, they hate me. And if I'm being honest, I'm beginning to hate them back. It's gotten worse since then. Um, for obvious reasons, the last two years have been just crazy uh, in terms of cultural war and whatnot. Um, but I got to thinking, what would it be like if you were on guard all the time and you were constantly chasing down and you saw the evil and, you saw, and, 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 and the reason you were doing it was for the people around you, but then you realized at some point that the people around you, they just don't care anymore. They don't even think you're doing a good job. It's like you're grinding it out. And at the beginning, there was like this this mutual love, this mutual affection. But as you're grinding it out over time, that starts to dissipate. This happens in relationships, in marriages. Uh, You begin... You know, and your your teammates, you're on the same team, and you love each other, and you're you're doing life together, and then and then the, the kids and the work, and then um, you know the the pastimes and the different interests, and and life and family and death and sickness, all those things start to come in, and it starts to be like you're you're waking up, you're still on the same team, you're still trying to accomplish the same things, but you just don't love each other. Friends, we are in a, a crisis, and I talk about it quite a bit because the Bible talks about it a lot. We, are, we have to be on guard because the culture's crazy. And we have to be looking for the truth. We have to be vigilant. But, man, that can come at a cost. The people in Ephesus, they, they look so hard for the liars and the deceivers, they stopped loving each other. It's the next thing in your note sheets. The problem is your vigilance has cost you your love. So what, what to do? What to do when you don't want to stop being vigilant, but you want to reinvigorate your love? Well, Jesus says this, repent. Uh, it, that just means turn back. Turn back and, and, and do what? Do the works you did at first. This is the same, uh, the at first, at first. Um, it's, uh, it's the same uh, phrase in, in Greek. Uh, and, and the idea is to look back to the glory days. Look back to when you uh, were firing on all cylinders. What was life like? And Jesus uses, uh, throughout the New Testament, Jesus and the authors of the New Testament, use the, uh, primarily the, the, the image of a family. That's what the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be God's family, all of God's children working and living and loving together. And so what they're supposed to do is, to, if you're going to go back to what you were doing at first, you go back to living as if you are a family, which you truly are. And, what, what is, and if you don't, if you don't go back to that, if you don't, then I am going to withdraw. I'm going to move you. And maybe that means, you know, I'm going to send you to a different place. Maybe that means I'm just going to upend this church and it's going to be destroyed and we're going to go, I'm going to go somewhere else. But if you can't get back to family life, this is over. Well, what's family life like? This is big for, especially in the Johannian literature. Love is always to be in, in, in uh, it's supposed to be infused in action. Love is not something you say or think or feel. Love is something that you do. You have to think and feel it as well, but, but you have to do it. It has to be instantiated in real deeds, in real time. Well, how do we show love? Well, 
We do a pretty good job of it here. So, so how do you show love with your family? You do stuff together. That's, that's what family, that's, when, if you want your family to be tight, you do stuff together. Here's some things that we've done together. There's Doug with his, uh, his clown thing playing uh, VBS music in, in Haiti. We serve together, right? We go, we do mission together. Uh, it doesn't have to be Haiti. In fact, we can't right now because the country is unsafe. But the missions committee got together and we're planning some crazy stuff. What would you think? I'm saying it's going to happen because it's expensive. But what, what if we as a church went and built a church for brothers and sisters in Mexico who have no place to worship? That could be cool. That would be pretty awesome, right? And if we did that, we're all working together. I mean, obviously some of you can't go. Rosemary, I'm not going to expect you to be doing construction but if you want to come and cook or whatever, pray, you can do those things. But you can stay here. We'll figure it out. All I'm saying is that what if we started doing that again? And eating together, very important, my favorite. We, I mean, when was the last time you spent, you know, ate with some people from the church? Because when you do this, you start to love each other. I, and just a little quick plug for the salt and pepper dinners. Get on your app. And, and sign up to either host or go to a salt and pepper dinner. Uh, Tony and Karen took Aaron and I to Gulliver's a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you know about Gulliver's, but that's where John Wayne used to hang out, so it's a pretty good place. And it's got prime rib, which is my favorite meat, um, which I should probably, the, yeah, Deborah, I'll, I'm going to work on getting to veganism, but for now, I'm going to stay with the prime rib. And it was, and the, I mean, it was cool hanging out with you guys, but more importantly, I got so much prime rib that I ate prime rib dinner three nights in a row. Tony, I have never felt more love for you. Then, and Karen, Karen, I, my heart swells when I think about the prime rib that you provided for me. The praying and worshiping together. I mean, look, if you guys aren't involved in a prayer group, we've got them here Tuesday nights with Rachel, uh, um, Thursday mornings with Scott Roberts. We, we, let's pray together. Let's worship together. The point is, oh, and play together, right? Fun. Let's have fun together. Uh, big plug for the, uh, the, the Make Easter Great Again, Again uh, event coming up on, on uh, the 10th of April. Uh, the petting zoo. We're bringing a petting zoo. And, uh, and, and that is going to be rad. Who wouldn't want to pet a llama? which there may or may not be, or hug a hog, which I, th- I think we're getting a hog. And if nothing else, it'll be fun to watch, like, you know, some of the kids get dirty and, and messy and cry. We need to have fun together. And when you do these things, that's going back to the glory. It's going back to your first love, the love you had at first. When you do these things together, it develops mutual love and affection. And it has the added benefit of furthering the kingdom of God, expanding the team. The solution here to the problem is repent. This is the third thing in your note sheets. Pray, serve, work, eat, play, together. If the way that you express your love for your fellow man is firing an AR-15 at Rahaji's in the desert, you know what? Kevin Klein will take you. He loves that stuff. He's a complete nut job. <laughs> so there it is, the poop sandwich. Guys, you, you've been, you're, you're exhausted from toiling. and Oh, no, you're not, you haven't grown weary. You're still fighting the good fight. You're, you're searching the truth. It's cost you something. No, it's cost you your love. But hey, wait. 
hey, wait, I don't start crying, church in Ephesus. I've got another great thing to say to you. And he says this, you, you, uh, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Um, and just a little note here, uh, we're going to talk more about the Nicolaitans in a few weeks, um, but but the, the basic thing you need to know about them is that they did not eat, or no, they, they, they liked to eat food offered to idols. Now, if that doesn't sound like it's relevant to you, let me explain what that means. In the ancient world, uh, when you sacrificed, worship was, you would kill an animal, and you would go to the temple, whatever temple you were, with your god, right? And then there would be a priest of your god. And that priest would have, would host a barbecue. They would take whatever animal you killed and they would set it on the, on, they would cook it and then that smoke would go up. You're having a, a barbecue with God. So God's smelling the smoke. You're eating the food, often beef. So you take like a bowl and you just kill it and you burn it and everyone that you know is all hanging out and celebrating whichever God it is that you're into and you're all having a block party together and eating the beef or whatever it is. And it's a really fun time when it's over. That's a big bowl. You, ha- you haven't been able to eat all of it. There's leftover meat, leftover cooked meat. And that meat uh, was used for your celebration of whatever your God is. And so the priests of your temple, what they would do is they would say, oh, we got this extra meat. I, I know, let's, let's, let's sell it. And so that, that evening or the, the following day, they would take it to market and sell it for, for extremely low prices because uh, the meat's already cooked. Uh, and, and so people, and it's not going to keep very long because they didn't have refrigerators. And so people would come and they would, if they wanted cheap meat to feed their family, they would go and get the meat that was sacrificed to Dionysus or Zeus or the emperor, which was a big one in Ephesus, uh, whichever of their gods they were worshiping. Now, notice why the Christians would not like this. Is it because there's something inherently bad about this particular barbecued beef versus that barbecued beef? Not really. The reason they hated it is because when they bought that meat, they were financing, they were participating in the the economy with gods that were evil. Some of these gods, uh, like Dionysus, like uh, Artemis, Demeter, uh, these gods, their worship involved uh, some pretty horrible sexual practices. Worshipping the emperor meant uh, financing and supporting um, a man who calls himself God and uses that to declare war throughout the world and oppress uh, peoples. And so the early Christians, uh, what they did is they, they refrained from this and they got a pretty nasty reputation because they, they, they were actually sabotaging the economy of the place they were in. It, you don't touch people's money. Once you touch the, the, the bank book, once you, once you hit the wallet, that's when people start to really get angry at you. And the Christians, we know this from Acts, uh, the, the Christians in Ephesus were hated. In fact, uh, there were riots about them. Because they didn't want to support Companies that hated them. My cousin just uh, canceled her uh, Amazon Prime membership. And I was talking to her. She's kind of a socialist, so I don't, I don't generally roll that way. But um, she was detailing some of the, the practices that she uh, became aware of. Um, she lives up near where Amazon uh, has a factory and whatnot. 
and, uh, found, and she found out what they would do to their employees, and so she was very upset. So she canceled her Prime membership. What's funny is uh, I know that Amazon has done some, some bad stuff. They've done some bad stuff to one of our people here in this church. Orchid Cheshire, she, uh, her company was contracted by Amazon to uh, like fix their vans or something. And uh, they would just harass her, abuse her when they didn't feel like they were getting what they wanted. I'm not canceling my Amazon Prime because I really like the free shipping. And that Reacher series isn't too bad. But sometimes I wonder. I did cancel Netflix uh, a couple months ago. Uh, I was uh, watching a, a show with my daughter. It was on the Netflix Kids and uh, as I was watching the show with her, I realized that uh, this show was promoting um, something that I thought uh, was, A, inappropriate for children aged eight. Um, and, and not only that, but also counter to what I believe um, God's called uh, human beings to, to do in terms of um, love, sex, marriage, all those things. And what, what didn't, it didn't make me mad that they, were, that they had this. I mean... There's people making shows and movies about... What made me mad was they, they didn't even tell me uh, that this material was a part of the show. They, they, they kept it hidden. Um, because they wanted to promote it without me knowing to my kid. Even uh, you go on those things like the, you know, the common sense media or whatever where it tells you, oh, here's these different things that are involved. It wasn't there. None of it. None of the objectionable material was there. It was just kind of... Then I found out they were raising my rate to 20 bucks a month, and that was it. You're done, Netflix. But to be honest with you, even if they'd given me a, a lower price, I think I still would have done the same thing. And it's weird, you know, we, we grew up in a, well, those of us who are older, y'all haven't, you have no idea. You, this is just the world you live in. But I remember a world where um, I didn't believe uh, that the people above hated me and what I stand for. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if maybe it's time uh, for Christians to make a stand and say, you know what? It's a little thing, but I don't want to participate in this anymore. I don't want to be a part of what you're doing. And it's going to look different for everyone. I mean, there's no, there's no, it's a, not a one-size-fits-all thing. But it, we, we have a precedent in the church. The very beginning, the, the Christians were known as the people who said no to an economy that was anti-God. They said no to all the, the nice things that they could have been a part of. In fact, one of the reasons that at the very beginning of this text, uh, Jesus is commending them for their work and their toil and their endurance is because they've been sh- systematically shut out from the regular parts of the economy in the world. They, they were, they've been shunted off to the side. And they've accepted this and they've encouraged it. They said, we'd rather not participate than be complicit 
with what we know is wrong. So I got there, the FANG, that's uh, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google. That's an investment strategy. Uh, They're called the FANG stocks. So you go for the stocks of the tech oligarchs. And if you do, then historically speaking, you'll make loads of money. And if you do, that's cool. Just make sure you tithe it. You know, the devil's had it long enough, so go ahead and... I'm not, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not t- telling you what to do in terms of... Da, da, da. I'm just saying, man, wouldn't it be cool if Christians as a people were known as people who were willing to suffer, willing to sacrifice some very convenient things to take a stand against those who hate their God? What does Jesus say to him? He's like, this is to your credit. You didn't quit. You didn't stop. They did everything. They, they harassed you. Uh, some of the Ephesians uh, were, were martyred. They've put you in prison. They've set you off to the side. But you didn't stop. You didn't quit. You knew that it was better to be faithful to me and to the truth than to compromise in these ways. And I am proud of you. And all I'm asking, all I'm asking you guys is just, just bring back the love. That's it. That's all you need to do. You, you stick, stick to your guns, keep doing what you're doing, but bring back the love. Eat together, play together, pray together, serve together, work together, worship together. Just bring back the love. And if you do, I will give you the tree of life to eat. I think the reason uh, tree, tree of Life gets mentioned at the very end of Revelation, uh, the, there's like a tree that grows on two sides of the river of life. It's called the Tree of Life. Uh, I'm not sure what to make of that image, because um, it seems to me like if you had a tree, it would have to be really, really big to feed everybody. Um, so I'm not sure if that's like hyperbolic or what. But whatever the case, uh, we know that the tree is meant to symbolize uh, a life where you're imbibing something that's giving you just thriving, wonderful, perfect, immortal, glorious, God-divine life. And the reason Jesus, put, he's putting this in contrast, you've given up the cheap meat. I am going to give you fruit forever. What if we could give up the cheap meat so that we could eat of the tree of life forever? Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for our forebears, our ancestors at the church of Ephesus, for the struggles that they endured, the, the willingness to suffer, the willingness never to, to be caught unguarded, to, to, to catch out the lies, to reject um, a world around them that, that, that sought compromise. God, may we follow in their footsteps. May we become people who are not willing to be complicit, not compromised. May we find ways to fight back, even a little bit. May you make us people who are willing to take a stand for you, even if it's at a cost, even if it's, it costs us with our friends and neighbors and colleagues, but, but willing to stand up and say, no, And God, as you stir that in us, may we never lose our love for each other. God, I pray for any person here who's not feeling the love. That someone will reach out 
some doors will open. There'll be an opportunity to, to pray and work and serve and play and eat together. That we might not even, not just be defenders of your truth, warriors keeping fast, holding fast to, to who you are and what you've said, but also that we'll do it with mutual love and affection that this church will be a place, continue to be a place of joyful and re- uh, rejoicing together. And in that community, God, we'll know that even if we're rejected by the world, we are loved and cared for by you. Jesus, we hear your words to the church in Ephesus. And in your name we pray that we'll follow them. Amen.